Welcome everyone to another episode of Shoeless Reads Rye Shoeless of the Sacramento Mad Popes. Read you team news articles from around the Brewster and the Amoeba in an effort to profile the fantastic writing that happens every single day here in the Brewster. Currently, we sit around 10 days into spring training of season 2049. Teams are, you know, finalizing what free agents they're going to pick up using the last bit of their cap money to get that free agent that's going to put them over the hump. Teams are frantically sending their Rule 5 draft picks back to the teams they drafted them from. And looking over that rookie that just may not make the team this season. But before we can do that, we're going to review team news. So today's team news articles are provided to you by Boise, Brooklyn, Des Moines, Hawaii, and Riyadh. Please enjoy. Our first story of the day brings us to Boise. 2049.02, they have eyes, part two. It was a rare rainy day at the winter meetings in Las Vegas as Spud's, Spud's general manager, Woody Donahue, watched the rain pound against the convention center windows. It had been a stressful day of dodging reporters who all kept asking questions to which he didn't have the answers. Why did the Spuds lose 100 games that season? What will you do this year to turn the team around? He kept telling them the usual things. Trust the process. Two seasons aren't enough for us of a sample size, especially to judge his work. After all, the highest level player drafted under his tenure was only in double A. But he still got the impression they thought he was driving the team into the ground. He was finishing a bagel sandwich and enjoying a nice moment of respite when he saw another reporter around in the corner into the main hall. It was that idiot, Banjo Jackson from Nashville, and he looked hungry for a story. You can tell when a reporter is on the prowl, they have this look in their eyes like they're stalking their next prey, but also anxious because they have a fast approaching deadline. Donahue could think of nothing he wanted less than to near another round of questioning, so he seized the opportunity to duck behind the buffet table. Carefully, he snuck around the perimeter of the room until he reached a door to the side hallway, leading to who knows where, but it was his only hope. He pushed it open and bolted. Almost immediately, he collided with a dark-haired woman in the hallway, sending them both sprawling to the ground. After a moment, he came to his senses, got up, and extended his hand to help her, but that's when he noticed two things. Number one, she was quite attractive. Number two, wait... Did he know her from somewhere? They said the GMs move fast at these meetings, but I, d- I didn't think they meant that literally, she said, refusing Donahue's help and standing up on her own. That was where he knew her from. She was on the Spud's cheerleading squad. The Tater Thoughts. But what on earth was she doing here at the winter meetings? There weren't any cheerleading shows on the program, at least as far as he knew. I, uh, he stuttered, still a bit out of breath. Wait. Don't you kind of work for me? Oh, the cheer squad in Boise, she said. That's just a side gig, though I am impressed you recognize me. I try to pay attention to all the uniformed personnel on the field to make sure the product is the best experience it can be for the fans. I guess it's admirable that you care about the fan experience, the woman said, but maybe you should focus more on the team. You know, the offense was dead last in the Johnson and OPS Plus last season. Donahue was taken aback. He didn't just spend the whole day dodging reporters, only to get nagged in a hallway by one of his own cheerleaders. Who are you? Donahue asked. Who do you work for? The league? The woman smiled. 
a bit higher up than that. Donnie had tried to get a glimpse of her badge. It was one of those red ones, reserved for people with the highest security clearance. Jen Sosinski, it said. All it said below that, where you normally see the name of someone's organization, was The Man. Who the hell was The Man? He needed to get to the bottom of this. He found his gaze shifting from her name tag to her body, the shape of which he could just make out under her suit. He needed to get to the bottom of that, too. Well, Jen... Maybe you can tell me or tell me more over drinks at uh, Mike Morey's tonight, unless you have cheer practice, of course. She considered the proposal for a few moments. Finally, she smiled. Mm, that would be nice, she said. Meet me there at 7.30? Hopefully the Wrangler's up by then. Well, it won't, but we'll see you there. The woman walked away towards the end of the hallway, but before she reached it, she called out, By the way, you're not supposed to be in here. You don't have the security clearance. He sighed and made his way back into the main hall, stealing himself for the barrage. Mr. Donahue, Mr. Donahue, piped that annoying reporter as soon as he spotted him. Banjo Jackson, Nashville Sun, just a couple of questions, if you can spare a few, moments, a few minutes. The end. Very well done. Thank you, Woods. Moving on to Brooklyn, Lord Toffee, Brooklyn State of Mind, Robin's Start Makeover of Pitching Staff, 2049.1. The Robins have nowhere to go but up, but the team has begun to make serious upgrade on starting pitching. With the cap space, it was always going to be used on getting some fresh blood. Normally signing Jim Armstrong would be considered a major signing at the top of the Robins rotation, but that was before a phone call was made to the West Coast. Don't get me wrong, Armstrong is a good option. He is 31 and is familiar with the Robins after his many years of being a standout on the Atlantic rival Crawdads. His jersey has already been a popular one at the Robins team store. While it is true that the rotator cuff injury did disrupt him with the Mad Popes, the Robins weren't too worried. Armstrong is back in a familiar league, and he is facing a lot of the same opponents against which he had a lot of success. At his introductory press conference, Armstrong was all smiles with the New York media and praised management for convincing him. It's clear that I was looking to come back to the JL, as despite my best efforts, it didn't work out as well as I, it could have been in Sacramento. I'm excited to be in the biggest market in the BBA and to have a strong backer in the GM. When my agent and I met with Mr. Herring, he sold me on his vision, and when I heard the rumors of the deal in place to bring in an elite starter, you can say, who can't say no to that? The end. Hey, very good. A um, couple thoughts on this one. Jim Armstrong was an amazing uh, bullpen piece for me last year. Uh, too bad he got injured right before the playoffs, and my bullpen decided to blow up during the playoffs, so I completely blame Jim Armstrong for not being around. Um, but he was... Uh, phenomenal throughout the season. It was his first year as a full-time uh, bullpen guy after actually is pretty much his only season of, a, of being just a bullpen guy. He did pitch 80 innings for me at 1.91 ERA, um, a FIP of 1.74. He was completely dominant. He was disgusting. So I'm actually curious to see how it goes if he's back in the starting rotation for Brooklyn, uh, only because he was extremely valuable um, in the bullpen, I think that's really where he should be. So um, 
good luck to him, but I actually think this his $8.5 million salary to throw out here for the next, I think, four seasons or five seasons even, I think that's going to be an expensive, expensive bullpen piece. But best of luck, and uh, hey, might as well try some. All right, let's head over to Des Moines, uh, which no one ever does, but we'll go there. Uh, Fuzzy Raleigh, He Who Walks Behind the Rose, Offseason 2048, Part 1. I think Offseason 2048, 2049, maybe? Anyway, are you horrified by watching paint dry? Or watching corn grow? Well then, you'll be horrified by boredom by Des Moines Offseason. It's especially horrifically boring because Des Moines is finally free of dead money which at one point in the last few seasons totaled over $30 million. Or in farming parlance, that's 40,100 acres of cornfield revenue. I looked it up. Now that the dead money is gone and ticket prices are up, the Colonels had a whopping $12 million to spend in free agency. Hopefully, for boredom's sake, they start winning more so that budget can increase from the basement. It's no secret that the offense sucks, but most positions are tied up with more than capable players who, well are just sucking more than they should. Therefore, aside from looking for an upgrade at shortstop, the Colonels are focusing their transactions on minor pitching upgrades. Because in the words of the great Samuel Jackson, motherfucker, you ain't shit with your weak-ass 12 million. With that pearl of wisdom in mind, Des Moines jumped out of the free agent gate and signed 23-year-old Dutch Antillian and noted bitterball and lover Manuel Camacho to a five-year, $25 million contract. This contract is a stretch for Camacho, but ain't nobody want to play in Des Moines, and word has it that it at least has a team option involved. With a four-pitch repertoire and decent control, maybe this pitcher earns his keep and even improves. The next move happened in the Rule 5 draft. Des Moines picked up a reliever Javier Baca from the Mexico City Aztecs. Baca is a cheap depth piece that will provide some stability in the bullpen and may be called upon to spot start from time to time. So there you have it, two medi- mediocre pitching signings that are horrifically boring and will not lead to Des Moines' winning season, but may help raise the win count from 59 to 69. A stretch, but one can dream. Bitterballin' for reference and scale. Uh, Bitterballin' is, uh, there's a picture here. Um, it looks like some, uh, some balls that are breaded and fried. Fantastic. All right, thanks for that story, Fuzzy Raleigh. Well, well, let's move over to Hawaii, to their team news site for the Tropics, where, amazingly enough, we won't be reading about how they got swept in a bunch of series, because it's the off-season after all. So let's read a little Jaywalk, Operation Sunburn, Chapter 3, 2049.5. Briefing. I walked into the restaurant and waited for the hostess. It was a Turkish joint called Istanbul, Hawaii, near the airport hostess appeared of nowhere dressed like an old ottoman mother and she asked me for one no i'm here to deliver bananas she said you are expected follow me i followed her not to the dining area but through the kitchen she knocked on the door once and then told me to enter i walked in and she shut the door behind me seated at the table was jim walker eating a salad with a ton of croutons hello mr harris sit down and eat, and we can talk. I sat and got down to business. First thing, 
who may have been detected by Valencia. It had been tough for us to get any, anything done there. We can handle the she issue, but it isn't in place yet. Jim's eyes brightened. She? Don't even think of it. She will eat you alive, and not the way you will, would want. Quick aside, there's a Sophia th uh, storyline happening in Valencia right now. Why don't you go ahead and take a look at that? All right, back to the story. Shit, go on. Next is Phoenix. They conduct team business at various Denny's around town. Luckily, we can still keep close, Walker said. Careful. Careful with Phoenix. They have had a lot of bad luck. He may act crazy, but it is, an all, it is all an act. Speaking of crazy, sir, Sacramento has a strange cult going on there. They have a thing for Carlos Camacho. The temple, for lack of a better word, is in an old Wendy's. Okay, Walker said. Keep an eye on that crazy shoeless. Lastly, the league office is a gold mine and it will take us a while to get, go through it all, Jim said. Don't worry about everything coming out of there. Just make sure league security doesn't suspect anything. Will do. All right. Intriguing. Intriguing. I'm a little curious why they know I have a temple uh, in the old Wendy's. So, uh, Mr. Walker and your stupid croutons, I might have to get to the bottom of this. But all in all... Fantastic stuff. I love all the different angles. And I'm pretty sure the bad luck in Phoenix is going to continue. Alright, let's move over to the Amoeba to the Riyadh Red Crescents by Fat Nige. A quick side note, I did actually try to have Nigel send me a recording so I could actually play his amazing Queen's English accent while reading his team news rather than my idiotic, imbecilic, simpleton, Midwestern American English accent. But due to my ineptitude technically, I wasn't able to make it work, so I'd like to apologize to the league for having to listen to me instead of Nigel and to Nigel himself who put in the time recording his team news here. So, let's move on to the team news, read by me, unfortunately. Riyadh Red Crescents, go wild on Rule 5 Day 2049-7. When you're as bad as the Red Crescents are, the Rule 5 draft is an exciting time. Even with 20 to 30 million in the back pocket, it's difficult to buy the amount of improvement the team needs. The Rule 5 draft offers a lottery pick, or four, indeed, following the success of last year's Rule 5, where we picked up Vinnie Coleman and Umar Matemi, both who both ended up making nearly 130 appearances in Riyadh. The Red Crescents went all in this year. With 11 targets on our list, we were pleased to scoop up four of them, ravaging Baghdad for providing three. The fans were most impressed with the capture of 25-year-old left-hand pitcher Fernando Rivera, who caused the fan interest to raise a point in the daily newspaper poll. In 2046, Baghdad tried him as a starter without any success. In 22 outings, he posted a 2-12 record in the Amoeba, and since then has been lightly used in the Kings minor league system. He has three elite-level pitches, but has been let down by a distinct lack of movement on them. It is our intention to use him in a setup role to strengthen the back end of our bullpen. The next selection will get a chance at the bottom of the rotation in spring training, but may well end up in the pen too. 30-year-old Angel Romero, another lefty, 
had made 193 BBA appearances with Vancouver before rocking up in Baghdad's AAA team on a minor league deal. In the BBA, he was mainly a long man or a spot starter, but he finished off 2048 starting his last six outings in AAA, going an average of six innings, striking out six, walking two, and giving up around two runs. That has earned him a shot at the rotation where he could certainly do where we could certainly do with a lefty. Failure there would probably see him end up back in the long man role. Our first overall pick was 23-year-old outfielder Manchu Lee, who was also from Baghdad. He reached AAA in 2046 and has 306 appearances there since. He can play right, right across the outfield, which together with his youth was the main attraction for us. A lead in right field, above average in center, and passable in left would be really handy as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Last season, he had a bit of a breakthrough. 17 homers, 64 walks, 27 stolen bases, and a 286 batting average, adding up to 4.2 war. Get anywhere near that, and he'll be a major star in Riyadh. Our last selection was actually from Jerusalem, 23-year-old infielder Isaac Emmett. He's turned out 210 times in the Miba for the Hebrew Hammers over the last two years, and while he hasn't lived up to his defensive ratings a second or short, we feel he's worth a look in strength training. He does look unfortunately like the slew of middle infielders we already have, but he has some power. A reasonable 236 average over his 210 games and can take a walk when needed. He'll join the gaggle of players trying for the backup middle infield role. So there you have it. Four, four who have it all to gain in spring training. I think three will definitely stick on the roster, such as the lack of quality on Riyadh's major league roster. But Emmett might prove to be a too long a shot. All right. Thank you, Nigel. I think it's always great when uh, teams like Riyadh go after a bunch of guys in the Rule 5. Anytime you can improve any position in your organization, especially on the main squad, you got to go after it. So good on Nigel for going after it, finding guys that may still have some gas left in their tank, and going with them. Thanks, Nigel. Thank you for joining me today on another episode of Shoeless Reads, where I, Shoeless of the Sacramento Mad Popes, read you team news articles from around the Brewster and the Amoeba. If you would like a team news that you've written to be profiled on the next Shoeless Reads, please, 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 please drop me a note on the forums or through Discord. Or if you'd really like to be brave and read your team news article to be profiled on this show, uh, drop me that note also and I can send you a link. And hopefully get it to work, which I couldn't for Nigel, but I'm sure I can for you, maybe, I don't know. But we'll give it a shot. So, thanks again for joining, and enjoy your long weekend.